John 14, verse 16. And it's still on the Holy Spirit. And tonight, another comforter. Another comforter. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we come and ask you this evening, as the Lord of glory and as our Father in heaven and as the Comforter, please would you this evening comfort your people. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now if you lived more than 150 years ago, then it might have been harder work to mine diamonds, to mine for diamonds, to find diamonds. And especially if you were just some guy on an expedition with your shovel, you're trying to find diamonds, or maybe in Pilgrim's Rest in the river and you got your pan. Um, but let's, let's talk about really, really trying to excavate, to dig. It's hard work. But, if you do not give, give up, you will be rewarded. And so it is with tonight's teaching. The teaching of Jesus on the Holy Spirit, especially this evening, from John, it's quite hard. It's quite technical, and you think of all the ins and the outs and the detail. So it's not that easy to follow, but if you pay careful attention and your mind doesn't wander, you'll find diamonds. You'll find gold. So please do pay attention. If you pay attention and you do so prayerfully, you're going to be rewarded, and it will feel to you, I guarantee, it will feel like stepping out of a stuffy room, a room where it's all damp and moist, and humid and hot and you step out into a cool breeze fresh air oxygen to the lungs it will feel to you like the darkness of night is over and the sun has risen there's light so let's go to john 14 verse 16. jesus says to the disciples and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. So, we're going to look at three characters this evening, in two different parts. So, number one, the first group of characters is the Father and the Son. Now, let's say, little Yosha, you are going on holiday, and it's a big holiday. You're really looking forward to this. You're going to the sea and you're going to do all nice things that boys like to do. You're going to climb trees. You're going to see animals. You're going to have ice cream. Lots of it. And so you're really looking forward to this holiday with your parents and your sisters. And then your dad gets sick. And now he's ill and you can't go on holiday. Oh no. What a spoiled plan. All ruined. But 
your parents tell you, guess what? Your best friends are coming and your family and you're going to get wonderful gifts, lots of presents. You're going to go to Gold Reef City and I don't know, you like Gold Reef City. Oh no, where must we go? Okay, somewhere else, something you like. But anyway, the rest of you kids can go to Gold Reef City with me. <laughs> and you're going to go to Gold Reef City and you're going to have lots of bry place and lots of swimming. So now it's better. They've comforted you. This is exactly what, she, what Jesus is doing here. The disciples are sad because Jesus said, I'm going away. He's going back to heaven, <clears throat> to his Father. And they're so sad Jesus is going away. But then he says, I've got a surprise for you. I will send someone in my place. I will send another comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Yes, verse 1, chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then verse 16, I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to send someone else to help you. And I will come to you and the Father. Verse 23, so the Father and the Son will come in the Spirit. And like Jesus said, remember, in Matthew 28, the last verse, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So what a comfort to them. So when he goes to the Father, Jesus says in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now that word, ask, in the Greek, it literally means to ask from a favored position. So you're in a very special position. Jesus is in a very special relationship to the Father. The Father is going to answer his prayer. Why? Because he is the Son of God. The beloved Son of God. And God is pleased with him. His Father is pleased. And the Father always answers the prayers of Jesus. And we learn that from John chapter 9 verse 31. Where the blind man who was healed, he said, God doesn't listen to sinners. But he answers those who please him. Those who obey him. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 11, just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, in verse 41 and 42, Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Yes, the Father always answers the Son. And so now Jesus says, Father, I ask you for the Holy Spirit. But he asks for the Holy Spirit first for himself. First for himself. Jesus receives a fresh baptism with the Spirit. When he enters heaven, when he, when he ascends to heaven, and we learn that from Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. So you read those verses, verse 8 and 9, you see, wait a minute, this is not his, his baptism it's talking about. This is talking about Jesus as king. Jesus crowned as king of kings and lord of lords. And, and so Jesus receives this fresh baptism of the Spirit. He's anointed with oil, uh, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 1 verse 9. But why does he need the Holy Spirit? Jesus is... Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. Jesus, it is His Spirit. It's the, he's the Spirit of Christ. Romans 8 verse 9. He's the Spirit of the Son of God. Galatians 4 verse 6. So why does He need the Spirit for Himself? Even as a human, Jesus said, I receive the Spirit without measure. John 3 verse 34. So why does Jesus need this fresh anointing with the Holy Spirit when He enters heaven? He He's anointed with the Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing as our heavenly mediator. Mediator, middle of Our go-between, between us and the Father. Our prophet, priest, and king. 
from heaven, ruling and reigning from heaven. So that is why he needs this fresh baptism of the Spirit. And it's not primarily for him. It is to our advantage that Jesus receives the Spirit so that he can do verse 16. The Father will send the Spirit so that he can do Acts 2 verse 33. I poured out, it says, Peter says, what you're seeing and hearing now is Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's received the Spirit which he has now poured out upon us. So it's for our benefit, to our advantage that this happens. So the Father hears the Son. He answers the Son. Why? He answers that prayer because the Father loves the Son. John 3.35 And the Son loves the Father. John 14 verse 31 So stick with me. This is a bit of technical things about the Trinity. But stick with me. We're getting to application soon. Jesus, as the Son of God, the Son of God, always asks according to the will of the Father. And the Father always gives according to the will of the Son. There's this, this interaction. The Son just wants to please His Father. I have come to do not my own will, said Jesus, but the will of Him who sent me. I just want to obey my Father. And the Father says, my Son, you please me so much, I will give anything you ask. And Jesus asks these things for us. Remember, Jesus doesn't pray for Himself. He's God. He prays for us. It's as if you can almost see this picture, the Father in heaven. And here's His Son praying for, for us. And the Father looks at the Son and He sees what? In His glorified body, even a glorified body, there are scars. Wunder. Scars. He sees the marks in the hand of His Son. He sees the pierced feet of the Son of God, His beloved Son. And He says, anything you ask, my Son. You have done this for them. I love you, Yusha. I love you, Kuis. I love you, Alika. Why does the Father say that? I love you for the sake of my Son. And oh, how He loves you. John 16, verse 27. The Father Himself loves you because you have believed in Me. Wow. And that's why He answers the prayer. That's why the Father says to the Son, of course, yes, because you died for them, because you paid the price, because they are believers in your name. And then the prayer is answered, and the Father doesn't give the Spirit like this. The Father gives the Spirit like this. He pours Him out upon us richly, Titus 3 verse 6. So what a great answer when Jesus prays for the Spirit, the Father answers. And then that, that's not the end. That's not the best of all. The best is that this praying of Jesus, these prayers of Jesus for you, never ends. Why? Because He lives forever. He's risen from the dead. He lives in the power of an endless life. The power of an indestructible life, Hebrews 7 verse 16. And therefore He can forever pray for you. To all eternity, He will keep on interceding for you and you will receive all the Father's blessings. Hebrews 7.25 He will always pray. So what is the greatest prayer that Jesus prays for you? What is the number one request 
verse 16. He prays that the Father will give you His Spirit. That the Spirit will come to you. The Father will send the Spirit. Why is that the greatest prayer request that Jesus can pray? Because that is giving you God Himself. It's not just giving you something or God's gifts. It is God Himself. And if you receive the giver, you receive all the gifts. If you receive the Spirit, you receive all the gifts of God. Everything Jesus paid for on the cross, everything Jesus bought with His blood is now given to you by the Father in the Holy Spirit. So all the blessings of Christ, Ephesians 1 verse 3, is given to you how? Verse 13 and 14, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that brings that to you. The Holy Spirit brings the new birth to you. The Holy Spirit washes you clean of sin through the blood of Christ. The Holy Spirit is given and poured upon you richly. You are baptized in the Spirit into the body of Christ. You're part of a family now. These are your brothers and sisters. God is your Father. Jesus is your head. You are the body. You have the Spirit. You've got spiritual gifts. The Spirit helps you to fight sin. He leads you in the way of righteousness. He adopts you into the family of God. You've received the spirit of adoption, assurance of salvation, fellowship with God, and godly character, the fruit of the Spirit. All of those things because of the Holy Spirit. Now, unbelievers, do they receive spiritual gifts? Be careful before you answer. Can unbelievers have spiritual gifts? Can they prophesy? Can they do miracles? Can they cast out demons? Yes, Jesus said so. On that day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, did many mighty works in your name. Jesus didn't say, no, you didn't. Yes, they did. But Jesus says, I never knew you because it's not the gift, it's the fruit that I want. I want character, not just power. Balaam, an Afrikaans billion, in Numbers 24, he prophesied truly and he prophesied in the spirit, says Numbers 24 verse 2. Unbelievers can receive the powers of the age to come. The powers of the Spirit. Hebrews 6 verse 5 and 6. It's possible. So how does this happen? It happens like this. So you are swimming in the waterfall. You're enjoying the river. The unbelievers are standing on the side. Does the water spray on them too? Yes. So there's some of the spray that they feel, but they're not in the river. They do not have verse 16, the comforter. They do not, Jesus said that in verse 17, he says the world cannot receive him. And in, in verse 17, they do not have the spirit dwelling in them. So that's what they do not have, though they may have some powers. So that is the greatest gift God can give you, is himself. He gives himself as father. Jesus is your priest, your prophet, your king your Lord, your shepherd, your friend, your redeemer, your bridegroom, your older brother. And the Holy Spirit is your counselor, as your advocate, as your teacher, as your comforter, and much more. So heaven itself, this, quite, this, this, this stuck to me when I was busy with the preparation. Heaven itself cannot give you anything more. God has given His all by giving His Son, by giving His Spirit, by giving Himself. Heaven itself cannot give you more. If you have the giver, you've got it all. So plead. Plead with God. And plead especially for this, that He would give you Christ. 
Why did I say give you Christ and not give you the Holy Spirit? Because he who has the Son has the Father. It says 1 John 2 verse 23. If you do not have the Son, you do not have the Father. If you have the Son of God, you have the Father. And if you have the Son of God, you have the Spirit. Because Jesus paid for that on the cross. Galatians 3.13 and 14. In order that you may receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, we read that the Father and the Son will come to you. And how will He come? Well, this teaching I'm giving tonight. In the Holy Spirit. Now the Father and the Son, are they one, two, or yes, or three? Well, Jesus said, I and the Father are one, right? So it's two different persons, but it's one God. I and the Father are one. That means that the Father and Jesus share the same Holy Spirit. We can read in the Bible of the Spirit of the Father, Matthew 10 verse 20, but we can also read of the Spirit of the Son in Galatians 4 verse 6, or in, in Romans 8 verse 9, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, in one verse. So it's the same Holy Spirit. So it works like this, the Holy Spirit goes out or proceeds from the Father. Fundi Father 8. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Just like sunlight, or just like light and heat proceed from the sun and the sun rays, the rays of the sun. And so in the same way, the Holy Spirit proceeds or goes forth from the Father and the Son. That's why this verse says, I will ask the Father, He will send you the Spirit. But verse 26 says, The Father will send the Spirit in my name. And then 15 verse 26 says, The Spirit proceeds from the Father. I will send the Spirit. I will send the Spirit, chapter 60. Who's sending the Spirit, the Father or the Son? Yes, both. Because it's the Spirit of, He is the Spirit of the Father and the Son. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are Three in one and one in three. Jesus said, baptize those disciples in the name, singular, not plural, name, not names, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Does He need us? Does He need our service? Did He create us because He was lonely? He enjoyed perfect fellowship in the Trinity. Perfect love. Perfect joy. Perfect peace. Perfect delight. Perfect everything before God created the world. So what a perfect fellowship in the Trinity. And I've got some verses to back it up. Proverbs 8 verse 30. John 17 verse 5 verse 24. 1 John 4 verse 4 is the clincher. God is love. Or 4 verse 8. God is love. That implies there's more than one person because someone is loving someone else. The Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. And the love between the Father and the Son is a spirit who enjoys that love too. He communicates the love between the Father and the Son. Why is that important? Why am I saying this? I'm not, I haven't even got to the comforter yet. Where am I going with this? <laughs> this is where I'm going. Even though God doesn't need you and He's perfectly happy within, him, within the Trinity, in the fellowship of the Trinity, He wants to have fellowship with you. God wants to be with you. He doesn't need to, but He says, I want to go 
come to you. I will send the Spirit. He will come to you. I will come to you in the Spirit. In my Spirit. Verse 23. The Father and the Son having fellowship. He delights in you. He delights in the children of man. He delights especially in believers. It's like a bride and a bridegroom in, in Song of Solomon. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Isn't that what the Messiah says, what Christ says in Psalm 45, the prophecy, where he says, the king will desire your beauty. And he's made you beautiful, but he wants to be with you. He wants to be in the midst of his people. He delights when you pray. God enjoys to hear your voice in prayer in the morning or in the evening. See that love. See the love of God for you. Do not neglect God. Do not grieve Him by just ignoring your quiet time. By just staying away from the fellowship of believers in worship and praise, praising God in song, listening to His word, wanting to spend time with Him. That grieves Him to His heart. He's made the effort. He's taken the initiative. He took the first step. And He says, I want to be with you. And then you say, oh, I've got stuff to do. Sorry. That makes him sad. Makes him sad. Enjoy God. Enjoy Him like you would savor homemade bread, hot from the oven, real butter. Melting on the bread, oxtail, soft, well prepared. You can almost smell that. Almost my birthday, only five months to go. I have oxtail again. Swiss chocolate melting in your mouth. Love that. I wonder which is what's better, Swiss or Belgian. They're both fantastic. Savor God. Enjoy God. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with your Lord. Jesus saying, let's have this meal together. I want to be with you. Want to be with you. Cherish him like a bride, a newly married, uh, a newlywed bride. And she's got this big fat diamond ring from her husband. Oh, she looks after that. She cherishes that. Cherish God. Kusterum. Appreciate God. You see, the Holy Spirit is very easily and very quickly grieved. He gets sad. He becomes sad if you don't want to be with Him. If you don't want to glorify Christ. You don't want to obey Him. You don't want to spend time with Him. He's grieved. If you just take it lightly and you ignore Him, then He will withdraw. He will withdraw the special presence. Doesn't mean He will leave you. He'll stay to convict you of sin, but it's not going to be the same. And sadly, sometimes it's going to take weeks, even months, May I say even years before you have that again. That sweet fellowship. So do not ignore it. Do not ignore when the Holy Spirit pricks you. He pricks your mind. He pricks your memory. He pricks your heart. He pricks your conscience to say, get aside, go and pray. And you really, there's this burden on you. You want to pray, but you think, not now, I'm busy. I'll do it later. And then you do it later and it's gone. Or you've heard the sermon, and the sermon has really moved you. And you thought about this, but you think later, I'll think about it later. And you go outside and you chat, and you laugh, and you tell jokes, and it's nice to talk to other believers. 
and you shouldn't have done that. Because now when you really want to go and think, you can't even remember what it was about. You can't remember what was it that moved me. And whatever it was, even if you do remember, doesn't move you anymore. Your heart is like a, a rod, a hot piece of metal, of iron, of steel taken from the fire. It was glowing red hot and you pushed it right into the swimming pool. And it's cold and hard. And so your heart is now. Where you're busy reading your Bible and something stands out. Don't just move on. Stop. What is the Lord saying to me? Think. Pray. Pray. Talk to God. Do not wait for the heavenly dove to flutter away. And you've chased him off. Appreciate it. Appreciate the spirit when he, when he, draws, when he draws near. So those were the first set of characters. The father and the son. The second character, actually the third, but number two will be the spirit. Now, my sister is a teacher in Australia. She used to be a teacher in Boxburg. And at one stage, when she expected a baby, she was on maternity leave. So she goes on a little holiday so the baby can be born and she can have time with the kid. And then my dad steps in at school because my dad was also a teacher. Both of them English teachers. And so my dad said, right, I'll take your place. So he takes her place at the high school to teach English. This is what Jesus is saying here. I will send you another comforter. Actually, the Greek, now there's a bit of a debate here, but the Greek in the context can mean, and I believe should mean, a comforter of the same kind. One of the same kind. One like me. And so he sends the Holy Spirit when Jesus returns to heaven. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is your comforter. Because he says, another comforter. In other words, I am one too. It's the Greek word parakletos. Maybe you've heard it in English, transliterated paraklet. So it's the Greek word parakletos. And what that means is he's the advocate, the advocate, the advocate, the lawyer who comes and he stands right next to you to help you, to defend you, to strengthen you, to encourage you. So Jesus is your advocate in heaven. The Holy Spirit is his representative on earth. So Jesus is your advocate. The Holy Spirit is his advocate. So the Holy Spirit represents Jesus on earth to defend and to help. And I'll explain that as we go along. So when, when you are at work, or you are at school and you're a Christian. And there are other kids who will push you out because you're a Christian. Or you're at work and people treat you badly. And they make sniding remarks. And they pull up their nose at you because you're a Christian and you stand up for what is right. What happens then is you are defended by the advocate. Not this advocate, the Holy Spirit, first of all. Or the devil comes and he throws your sin into your face. And he says, look at you. You call yourself a Christian. Then Jesus defends you in heaven. He pleads his own blood. He says, Father, this child of mine is attacked by the devil. This child of mine is attacked by unbelievers at work or at school. I defend them. 
I defend or I defend him or her. I defend my child. Like Stephen, that's why I read the passage. They accused him falsely. They brought him to court. They're going to kill him. They want something against Stephen. They bring false witnesses into court. And eventually they're going to kill him. And Stephen looks up. He sees heaven open. And what does he see? Jesus doing what? Sitting or standing? Not sitting. Standing. Who stands in court? Well, who sits in court? The judge. Who stands in court? The attorney. Your defense attorney, the advocate, stands to plead your case. To say, Father, I stand up for Stephen. They've accused him falsely. I defend him. The devil comes. He wants to bring accusations. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Who can bring a charge against God's people? Jesus has justified them with his blood. And he says, I have paid for him. He's a believer in my name. She's a believer in my name. I defend them. Unbelieving marriage partners. Unbelieving family members who want to accuse you and attack you. Jesus defends you. Now what happens on earth? So Jesus defends you in heaven. The Holy Spirit is your advocate on earth. He's your helper, your comforter, your paraclete who steps right next to you. He's always at your side. He dwells in you. And he says, I defend you. I remind you of the blood of Jesus. Run to your Savior. Run to your Savior. Satan is accusing you and throwing your sin to your face. He's bringing your past and saying, look at you, man. Look at your past. You want to you say Jesus will save you. And the Holy Spirit says, Jesus is praying for you. Do not listen to the evil one. Run to Jesus. His blood can cleanse you anew. You're his child. I stand up for you. And he does stand up for you indeed. He shows you that there is help for you in Christ. And then what he does is he brings your prayers in line with Jesus' prayer. So Jesus is praying for you in heaven. Who's praying in your heart? Romans 8 says the Spirit. So the Spirit... Romans 8 says, Jesus is praying in heaven for you, verse 34. Verse 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit prays inside you, and He brings your prayers in line with Jesus' prayers. So whatever Jesus is praying for you, the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart, and you pray the same. And so He helps your praying. He helps you to run to your Savior and to ask Him. He helps you actually to pray in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Who helps you to pray that way? The Spirit. It's the Spirit helping you to pray in the name of Jesus, according to His will and His word. Will the Father answer those prayers? Yeah. How will He answer those prayers? He'll answer those prayers. The Spirit helped you to pray. In line with Jesus' prayers, the Father answers the prayers by giving you more of the Spirit. <laughs> by giving you more strength, more comfort, more encouragement, more help, more defense. Wow. I'm excited. Are you? <laughs> I'm really excited. I never, I never thought deeply about these things about the Holy Spirit. I'm learning so much. So the Holy Spirit now empowers you. So you can endure and keep on going, though it's hard, it's difficult. But He helps you. You pray in the Spirit. That's how you persevere. Jude, verse 20 and 21. 
Judas. Now someone here is going to tell me, I know that, that's why I put this in the notes. <laughs> Someone's going to tell me, I don't even have strength to pray. I feel so weak. I don't even know what to pray. That's why the Holy Spirit is there. And so what you can pray is pray the promises of God. Pray the Bible. Just go on your knees, read the Psalms, open a Psalm and pray. <laughs> pray the promises of God. And even if you say, I'm even too weak for that, ask another Christian to pray for you. Tell someone you trust, pray for me. And if you think it's fitting and you can do this, share it on the church WhatsApp group and say, pray for me. Jeanette asked before the, uh, just before the service in the prayer room. She said, please, in this week of fasting and prayer, please pray for me. People prayed for her in the, in the prayer room because she's going for tests and all of that for these terrible migraines she gets. She's going to be in hospital for four days. Pray for her. Pray for others who are suffering, who are going through hard times. Pray for them. And especially pray this. Lord, will you give them the Holy Spirit even more? Luke 11 verse 13. Your Father will give the Spirit to those who ask. God will strengthen you through His power by the Spirit in the inner man. Ephesians 3.16. So you pray that. So the Spirit comes to strengthen. That's why I cho chose that, um, that theme. Because some people might say, that's not quite the best translation to say he's the comforter. It's rather the advocate, the lawyer. Well, actually, that's an excellent translation in Old English. King James English, it's translated like that, the comforter. And the Afrikaans, I think, the Ophetalen took it from, probably from there. But comforter then doesn't quite mean what it means now. It didn't quite mean the same. That go, comes from Middle English. Middle English is in 13, 1400s, John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe translated it, comforter from the Latin. And it come from the, comes from the Latin, confortare, which, which means not wipe your tears from your eyes, first and foremost, but which means confortare, forta, forte, strength. He comes with strength. The Spirit comes next to you with strength to strengthen you to keep on going. To keep on going through difficult times as a believer. So, so how does the Spirit strengthen? Before you suffer, very often in the Christian life, right before you go through a difficult time, or maybe a few months before you go through some deep trials, then the Holy Spirit comes with extra strength. It's like He lifts you up. And that's what Jesus said in 15, chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. He will send the Helper, the Comforter. Why? Just read the verses before and after. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to suffer. And so he says, the Spirit's coming to strengthen you. He'll come and give you grace to go through that. Almost like you're going on a long journey. Have you seen those cartoons and they've got a stick and a bag? And they've got cheese in there and what else have they got in there? All nice stuff. Grapes and apples and bread. And so it's, it's not quite like that. What it would be more, it's like a big feast you've got. And you're going to eat a big meal because you're going on a long journey. You need strength. So the Spirit will come. He will strengthen you. That is very important to remember. Because when the trial comes. And the waves are pounding the boat. You're going to say the Lord has forgotten me. He has not forgotten you. Remember what he did before the trial. He gave you strength. You don't see him now. But he hasn't left you. He's still with you. He is still with you. He'll carry you through. The Holy Spirit will also strengthen you when you're sad. 
What were these disciples going through now? Jesus is leaving. They're sad. And then he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. Don't worry. I know you're sad. I know you feel lonely. I'm sending someone. Another comforter. He will give you strength. Now, please don't say, well, I'm going through this trial and I don't see the comforter because I had no supernatural experience. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit, the comforter can come and he can bring comfort in a supernatural way. Like Patrick Simpson in Scotland in the 9th of August, 1601, his wife is busy dying. She is desperately ill. And then something terrible happens to her. While she's lying on her deathbed, the devil comes. And he comes with such attacks upon her, she cannot even think straight. And, and it's so terrible. She, she goes in, what you spoke about, Charles, she's like in this dark hole. And she cannot see any light. It's hopeless. And she thinks... God has left her and she's not a Christian and she is not saved. And it's so terrible, she sees no hope and no light. And her husband goes, oh, and he prays and he prays and he prays and he pleads and he tells other Christians and they pray and it's like nothing helps. And then he steps aside and one, I think it was one very early morning in the garden and he's busy pleading and he's lying on his face. He's so praying and calling upon the Lord. And then the lady who took care of his wife through the night, she goes to the garden wondering what's going on. And she peeks over the picket fence and she hears a rushing sound. And the most melodious sound, beauty, beautiful sound, melody, harmony. But there's no one. It is him lying on his face. And she comes and she's so embarrassed because she says, I was too curious. But eventually she goes up and she says, what was that sound? And he said, I saw a vision of angels. Bringing a message from God. That all of that is over. All those attacks of the devil, of the evil one, it is gone. She has come through, she's like a wood plucked from the fire. And he goes into the house and there she is, calm. And all of those attacks are gone. And she has peace. And then he breaks out in prayer again after a long silence. And he gives praise to God. So God can most certainly, if he wishes, that's in the Scots Worthies, a book by Banner of Truth. You can buy it at Augustine Book Room or Good Neighbours. But... God can do that, but usually God encourages you and comforts you by reminding you of His promises. Verse 26, the helper will come, the comforter. He will remind you of all that I have taught you. He will remind you of the Word of God. He will remind you of the promises and comfort you in that way. Psalm 119 verse 50 and verse 52. Romans 15 verse 4. He will bring the word of comfort. He will send other Christians to you to comfort you. Maybe not even by them saying anything, but just being with you. You are comforted like Paul with Titus. God comforted us by the coming of Titus. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6. Or sending someone when Paul was in prison all alone and his friends had left him. He says in 2 Timothy 1. They left me. But this man came. Onesiphorus came. And he comforted me. I was refreshed. God sent those friends. 
He will do so. And He will do the same with you. Sometimes He'll give you boldness. Sometimes He'll give you wisdom. Especially if you're in a situation, you are brought before the Human Rights Commission for saying something at work and something innocent where you said, someone asked you a question and you said, I do not agree with LGBTQ. I believe it is sin. And now they take you, they charge you before the Human Rights Commission. Or you're taken to court as a Christian in, in persecuted countries. And you have to stand up for Christ. And He will send the Spirit. And the Spirit will make you bold. And the Spirit will give you wisdom that they cannot withstand. Like Stephen. He will give you words. You do not even have to write your speech in advance. You just need to show up in court and trust the Holy Spirit and pray to Him for help and get the other Christians praying. And He will give you the words. He will give you the words. They will not withstand God's wisdom. And sometimes the wisdom of God will silence them. They don't know what to say because they do not have words. And sometimes you'll be let off the hook. They'll let you go. But sometimes they'll catch you on a technical point in the, in the, law, book, in the, the law books. So they know you're not guilty. But they want to nail you. And sometimes they will. And then when, when that happens, the Father and the Son will strengthen you and comfort you by the Spirit. 2, Tim, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 will comfort you. And comfort you by other believers. Believers who pray for you. Isn't that what we do for one another? Pray for one another. Ephesians 6.18 And then the Holy Spirit Himself, the Comforter Himself, is the Father's answer to the prayer. He comes. Gives you extra strength. And He binds up your wounds. And He heals the brokenhearted. Psalm 147 verse 3. He comforts them. He comforts you. He gives you a sign of His favor. Psalm 86, 17. He comforts you. He brings the love of the Father and the Son to your heart. And the love of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 verse 5. Like a mother comforting her child. Isaiah 66 verse 13. You will walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9 verse 31. What great comfort. What great peace for the believer. And then he do, does what Charles says. That's why I said I'm going to preach on this. He does 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to verse 7. Because in those verses it says, the, the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, He will comfort you. He will comfort you. Why? So that you may be able to comfort others who are going through the same suffering. He uses you as His instrument to comfort others. Great, Charles. I praise the Lord. Not that He has taken you through deep waters and your wife with you, but that He is using you now to comfort others. Because you've gone through it, been there, done that. But God has helped you. And then also, even when you've sinned, when you've sinned and the Holy Spirit convicts you, and you go through suffering, and then you like gold in the fire, and all the impurities come up. God is purifying you, and you see all this muck, all this sin, all this ugliness. And then some people, they run to their holidays and they run to their friends and they run to their beer and they run to their whiskey and they run to their dacha and they run to their cigarettes and they run to their pornography and they run to, I want to sleep and they run to whatever else. I'm not saying sleeping is wrong and counseling is wrong, but some people, that is their comforter. They don't have a comforter. But God has given you a comforter. He's given you His Holy Spirit. And yes, He may do it through going to see a counsellor. I understand that. But your main comforter is not, the, not 
an earthly counselor. It's a heavenly counselor. And he silences your conscience. And the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all sin. And you seek your comfort in him. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. How does he comfort them? He tells them, your sins are forgiven. Isaiah 40 verse 1 and 2, go and read that. Jesus comes and he comforts you. He's your Messiah. He comforts. In his spirit and by the spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be, what? Comforted. Will be comforted. You'll be comforted. The Holy Spirit will never disappoint you. He'll never let you down. How do I know that? Verse 16 at the end. Be with you forever. Forever. So he's always there. And even, maybe for some of you, 2023 will be the year you're going to heaven. So even when you're on your deathbed, even when you go through the river of death, the comforter will be there. The silent shepherd who will comfort you with his rod and his staff. Doesn't the Psalm 23 say that? His rod and staff comfort me. And I know that's Jesus the shepherd, but he shepherds with us by the silent shepherd, the quiet shepherd, the Holy Spirit. And then when you get to heaven, is he still your comforter? Oh yes. He's your comforter forever. He will wipe the tears from your eyes. Revelation 7 verse 17. He will be your comforter. Luke 16 verse 25. Lazarus is in heaven and Abraham says he is here now and he is. Starts with the C. Ends with the umfitter. <laughs> okay, he's comforted. He's comforted. Hy word vertroos. And it's an everlasting comfort. And the greatest comfort of all will be when the Holy Spirit shows you layer upon layer upon layer of the riches of the grace of God in Christ. He'll just unfold it more and more and more. The riches of wisdom and knowledge all in Christ. And He'll show you that trial you went through on earth. Let me show you why that happened. You thought it was all just thunderclouds, lightning and thunder and storm. Did you forget? Those thunderclouds brought good things. Lots of rain. Did you forget all the blessings? And maybe you didn't know and you didn't see. But let me show you now. It's as if on earth you just saw the leaf. Oh, look at this leaf on the tree. Or you looked up in the sky. Oh, that's a star. But now in heaven... The comforter, he brings the microscope and he says, look at this, you didn't see. <laughs> and he brings the telescope and he says, you thought that, that was a star? Shows you galaxies. Shows you the riches of God's glory and his wisdom and his grace. He explains God's plan to you, why all of that happened. And you are just stunned because of the comforter. Who's that comforter? Oh, I kept the best for last. 
Jesus is your comforter. Luke 2 verse 25. The comforter of Israel. Die vertrooster van Israel. The consolation of Israel. Jesus. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. Verse 16. But there's another comforter I didn't mention. Who would that be? 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. The God of all comfort. The Father of mercies. Praise Him. Will you? Oh, praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for your comfort. Help your children, Lord. Please protect us from the evil one. I'm so afraid some might find help this evening and then go away and the devil steals the seed and they forget all about your comfort. Please help your children in Jesus' name. Amen.